0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again, as we continue on in the study that we're doing through the New Testament. We've been working hard through the New Testament for um, uh, three and a half years, and we are, we're making great progress. We're working through it pretty much a chapter at a time. Um, we have worked all through the Gospels. We worked through the Book of Acts. Coming out of the Book of Acts, we started with Paul's letters, um, building off of the missionary journeys that we'd read about in the Book of Acts and studied And now we're through most of Paul's letters. We have, um, we're going to do 1 Timothy now. um, Well, the first chapter, there's six chapters. Then we're going to 2 Timothy. We'll do the letter to Titus. And um, then we've covered Paul. Uh, Then we're going to do the book of Hebrews, which may or may not have been Paul. And um, and then we've got the letters by Peter, the letters by John. uh, And we've got Revelation. Well, that's by John. And then... um, James, and I think that does it for us, so uh, uh, we're, we're on track to be finished in about five years, and then we'll, we'll jump right into the book of Genesis, and we'll start doing the Old Testament, so plenty to do, and uh, lots to stay focused on. The advantage to working through the text like this, um, the idea of holding the text in context is so important. And so, uh, when you can sort of see the thread of things and why things were written, um, I think it just helps to understand the Bible, uh, to to understand that you know it just wasn't randomly put together, that um, the Holy Spirit was behind the entire thing, uh, and and uh, you know was was inspiring the human authors to give us an amazing, uh, alive, Word of God that um, has uh, has the ability to change lives and to impact our day-to-day lives in significant ways. Um, as the spirit then illuminates to us what 's going on, um, but you know our part in it is reading it and studying it and digging into it and um, doing our best to hold it in the context it was written to to look at why it was written, what was going on when it was written, who was it written to, what was it all about, and then um, from that, um, then we can see how it applies to us today it 's all applicable it 's just how it applies and um, I, I think it teaches us. Not to just sort of take, you know, this little bit, this little bit from here and this little bit from here and, and make the Bible start trying to say something it doesn't really say. And so that's what we want to be careful of in the process. Always being as diligent as we can to study the Word of God, to, to pray through it, to understand it, um, to um, encourage each other with it. Um, and, and as Paul has taught us on those things that we disagree on, to um, lovingly give those some room for the Holy Spirit to work. Uh, in our lives, to not allow those things to cause division. Um, not, you know, the thing, the, the, the sort of less than main things, um, which unfortunately have have caused division from the, from what we've been reading. The, the enemies used little things to cause division from the beginning of the church. You know, it's been his goal to steal life, as we've talked about, and, and uh, to destroy the church. Um, but, um, you know, we need to continue to press on into the Lord, and the church keeps flourishing and growing, and has um, for thousands of years, and will continue, um, regardless of what goes on around us. Um, the church will continue until Jesus comes back, and that's good news. And uh, uh, both of those things are good news: that the church will continue, and that Jesus is coming back. So there's lots, there's lots of good news. So uh, how that works? All right. So um, today we're gonna we're gonna start uh, in First Timothy. There's six chapters in First Timothy. And these last um, t- letters to Timothy, first and second Timothy and Titus are st- instructional letters. They're kind of, the, you know, the, sort of the last word letters of Paul. And um, the main focus in these letters is about teaching. Um, but the, the, this teaching that Paul talks about isn't just the passing on of information. It's about communicating the truths of what a life in Christ is all about. It's um, uh teaching designed to shape beliefs, attitudes, values, and behaviors. That's the idea behind what the church is, is to do. We're, we're here to, uh, one of the things that we do is to um, encourage uh, all of us to dig into the word of God and to... Um, to, to understand it to, to the best of our abilities. That's been the practice of the church from as far back as we can see recorded. We, we can find out you know, from the historical documents what the early church was doing. They got together and they read scripture. And then they talked about it. They exposited on it and they, they tried to learn what was going on. They diligently worked into the, the Bible. Um, but again, not just for the knowledge sake, for its transforming power in our lives. And that's what's supposed to be happening here uh, as you get into the Timothys. It's it's teaching, but it's the teaching that changes our lives to live the life that we're called to in Christ. um, Because this is a partial list. Uh, of the things that Paul encourages Timothy to teach in this first letter. So this is just a partial list of what Paul, uh, in these six chapters, tells Timothy he needs to teach the church in in Ephesus. Um, uh, Exposure of false doctrines, myths and genealogies, law, sound doctrine, the glorious gospel, mercy, truth, dedication, prayer, harmony, marriage, dietary practices, qualifications for leaders, conduct, Sayings, truths of the faith, the practice of religion, relationships with fellow Christians, treatment of widows, ways to select elders, contentment, righteousness, faith, love, endurance, hope in God, and doing good. That's a partial list of what uh, Timothy was supposed to be teaching the church in Ephesus. That's quite a list, right? That would you would wow. That's a lot to teach. That's just in the first letter. Um, but see, the thing is. It's not just a passing on of information. As I said, it's a lifestyle. And that in the church, we're to um, do our best to study the word and then to live it out in a way that all these things are taught in our day-to-day lives and and, uh, encouraged to be practiced as we move through it. The the teaching of of Christ should impact every aspect of uh, our lives as believers. And, And that's kind of the underlying thread of these letters. So let's read 1 Timothy, um, it's verses 1 through 20, I will read them to you, I'm going to read out of the NIV, uh, you can follow along in whatever translation that you use, there's, there's Bibles on the rows, or if you grabbed a sheet of paper, the verses are printed there for you uh, on the way in, out of the NIV. Beginning in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for adulterers and perverts, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which he entrusted me." But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight. Holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, a lot of fun stuff to talk about in those verses, and uh, we'll cover as much as we can. Um, I'm glad I'm not Hymenius or Alexander. But we'll talk about them in a minute. I will mention that and what that looks like. Okay. So, uh, first four verses. We should do a commercial there for coffee. First four verses. Thank you. Um, This letter was written to Timothy in approximately uh, AD 64 or 65. And uh, Timothy at the time is overseeing the church in Ephesus... Uh, Paul had first visited Ephesus on his second missionary journey. Uh, you can write this down if you want to go and look it up, Acts 18:19 and 21. And so during their second missionary journey, they stopped there briefly. They arrived at Ephesus. It says where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. And then he set sail from Ephesus. So. He, he went to Ephesus on his second uh, uh, trip, but he didn't stay long. He started the process that he always started when he would go into a town. He went into the synagogues, and he preached the, preached the gospel there to the established religious community who, you know, some would, some would listen. Most of them would reject, but uh, he didn't leave Priscilla and Aquila there, and then he left. He said, if I can get back, I will. Well, he does get back, and on his third missionary journey, he spends three years in Ephesus, one of the longest um, times he spent in his missionary work planning a church, and and you can read all about that in Acts 19 and 20 if you want, but it starts in verse one. When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, and then it talks about how he stayed there and did what he did, and he was there for about three years. And, and so um, uh, he was able to get a very healthy church um, established there in Ephesus. But, um, you know, as with all those churches, once they got started, um, they would get uh, overwhelmed by false teachers, um, Judaizers that we've, we've studied, uh, false doctrines would pop up, pop up and there'd be a lot of problems that would take place. And so Paul was addressing these. He sends Timothy uh, to Ephesus to go and deal with these things and now he's writing him on some of the things that he's gonna have to deal with in the process and it's believed that the church in Ephesus um, at this time was dealing with the same heretical teachings that had been taught by the false teachers in Colossus which we looked at in our in the letter to the Colossians Um, uh, and and in effect what this teaching um, said was that um, to be acceptable to God a person had to discover certain hidden knowledge secret knowledge and had to worship angels Um, If you don't remember, it was in Colossians 2.8. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. And again, in Colossians 2.18, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. So um, there was this false teaching going on that was causing a lot of trouble in the church, um, that um, there was more to um, what the church needed to know than the good news of Jesus Christ, and these false teachers had come in um, who were uh, basically trying to work the crowds to line their pockets um, with all this weird stuff. And that's what we read about in verses 6 through 11 of 1 Timothy, um, that these, these teachers, these false teachers, um, they, what they ended up doing was they, they came up with all sort of um, imaginary ideas and concepts that they just made up, and then they devoted their time to speculating on all the various implications that these ideas they made up would have, um, and, and, and the end result was it was taking the church away and the people of the church away from what we're what we're called to, what they were called to, the mission they were given, which is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That still tries to happen today. Um, that that someone will come up with, uh, and it happens all the time, with some sort of um, different-sounding kind of thing, and and they'll they'll promote it as being the most important thing. And what it does is it, it tends to take the church off track because all of a sudden they get moved over into this other sort of thing that's not really that important and the way that you always tell those things is is it is it allowing you this thing to continue the main thing which is to tell people about Jesus is if we're not doing that we're missing the mark and that's what it always looks like that's the that's the measuring stick you know that's that's why it's so important to have Um, why we have a mission Um, the church always has a mission it's this you know we call ours one more the reason we we talk about it all the time is so that you can see hey is this is this going to make the 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 mission does this work for the mission will it continue us in in bringing people into the kingdom can we get one more lost child back to dad this way or is this so kind of off the mark that it's not going to bring anybody and and it's just going to cause us more problems as we as we you know sort of get off track in the process. So we need to be very careful not to let anything distract us from our mission. Don't don't let things distract you from the good news of salvation in Christ Jesus, which is, you know, why we're here still. And uh, that's what we're called to do. It's why we don't get zapped up into heaven the moment we get saved. We got a job to do. Um, and, and that that mission is to tell people about who Jesus is and why he came and that they have a shot at life forever and now in him. And and that's what we're to do. Uh, anytime we're not doing that, we're missing the mark. We're not here to be the, um, the, the, the uh, finger pointers of the world. We're, we're not here to tell people, you know, uh, they already know that they're not where they need to be. We're here to love people and and hold a standard up of the word of God in a way that reflects his truth that causes people to be drawn to his truth so that they can know life because that's what Jesus did remember Jesus he would he would go into places where people were a mess and he would love them to the point where they would go like okay um, what do we need to do to to get get in then you love that that's what they did you know, they would be such a mess, so wrecked. Nope. And the, the established religious community wouldn't have anything to do with them, like the tax collectors. They would absolutely not have anything to do with them. And Jesus would go to their homes. They didn't would, would you come? Sure, I'll come. Zacchaeus, absolutely. I'm going to your house. He even told Zacchaeus, hey, I'm going to your house. Bring all your friends. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Nobody else. The established religious community wouldn't have had anything to do with him. But, but Jesus was like, I'm going to your house. And, that, and you know all his friends. All they had was each other. Jesus goes. And what happens? They, he just loves on them. He doesn't tell him it's okay to be a tax collector. He just loves on him. And, and, and they, re, well, what do we, need? I, I'm, I repent. I, I want to change. What do I need to hear? I'll give it all back. I, don't, I just want to be with you. That, that wasn't finger pointing that happened. It was, it was just love from the holiest person that's ever been jesus so see this is you know where we need to make sure we stay focused um we need to know what the bible says we need to apply it to our lives and then we need to share our lives with others so that they can come to know the truth that's what it's all about that's what he talks about in the importance of refuting the false teaching now in verses 12 through 19 um paul um, kind of summarizes the good news and he does that particularly in verse 15 uh Sounds like the ice cream truck, doesn't it? That was my thought. Ice cream! Mom, you got a dollar? But I digress. You can edit that, right? Wait, wait. Let me just stand still for a moment so you can edit. Don't look like that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be bringing them in the church. Okay, now, so um, he basically summarizes the good news in verse fifteen of this letter, which is this: Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and no sinner is beyond his saving power. He, he, Jesus didn't come merely to show us how to live better lives or even to challenge us to be better people. He came to offer us salvation that leads to eternal life. That's why Jesus came. See, that's huge. That came. And, and we need to understand that. And, and so um, as, as you take in those verses, another thing that Paul does is he, he breaks the, the shame and the guilt off of us that the enemy would love to keep us under. Um, And and a lot of people get stuck in the guilt and shame of their past. But Paul is this amazing example uh, of of what the grace and forgiveness of God looks like in someone's life. Paul at one point had hunted down and persecuted Christians, but God had forgiven him and used him in mighty ways for the kingdom of God. Think about it, he was probably the chief persecutor of the church at one point, and he becomes its biggest proponent. Um, isn't that amazing what God can do? The one who's trying to crush the church with all that he has is now the one who's giving his entire life to, to grow the church all over the known world. That's what God does. And, and if God can do it in Paul, the whole thing is God can do it in anybody. And so it doesn't matter how bad your past has been, God can forgive you and God can use you in his kingdom as well, just as he did with the apostle Paul. And so uh, we need to hang on to that thought. Because it's so important. All right. We're already at verse 20. It's not a very long book. And um chapter. Uh, I, I want to talk about um, these two guys at the last verse there, because it's a pretty heavy verse. Alexander and Hymenius. Um, we're not exactly sure who Alexander was, but we do know who, who Hymenius is. Um uh, and and it, we believe that Alexander was probably one of his associates, just lumped in there with him. We know about Hymenius because Paul gives us an insight to him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. You can jot that down and look at it later. And he says this, um, Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, another guy, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. That's what they were teaching. That, that the, 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 the sec, you know, when he comes back for us, that that's already happened. And so, can you imagine hearing that? And that wouldn't be good for your faith, right? You're waiting for Jesus to come back and take you, and they're saying, that already happened, oh, and you're still here. That's not good. <laughs> that wouldn't be good, right? Sometimes, have you ever, see, this could, if, you're a, if you're a pastor and you forget about a time change at some point and you go to your church and no one is there, <laughs> you can think, uh-oh. <laughs> okay maybe you don't even have to be a pastor for that to happen maybe you just show up an hour before everybody else and you're like (gasps) um they uh, this was what they were teaching and and it was ruining people's faith in the church and so when paul says that statement that he handed them over to satan people go what does that mean what it means is that paul had removed them from fellowship in the church To Paul, that was, if you weren't in the church, you're in the enemy's camp. That's the reality. He's just saying it in a way that you may not normally hear. But if you ain't in the kingdom of God, you're in the other one. Even if you ain't, if you're not choosing it um, by going, yeah, we're in the, the other camp, you're in it by default. And so that's what Paul's saying. And he's removing them from the fellowship with the hopes of them repenting and being restored. That's what needs to be understood. That was always the, the process behind that, was that they would uh, understand that in in not being a part of the fellowship, what they were missing was so great that they would go, oops, and they would repent so they could get back in. That was the reason that, that Paul was um, correcting them in this way. It was, it was for correction's sake to, to draw them in. He wasn't just being mean and saying, go away. He, the, he, you know, anytime there's a corrective action like that, the unless the... the the hope always, it needs to be done in such a way so there's room for restoration or else it's punitive and that's not right. That's like in anything. And so uh, the, uh, the actions um, that we take that are, that are corrective in, you know, in, in life um, always should have a, 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 a room, a, a design for restoration. And that's what he's doing there. He's hoping that by cutting them loose, they'll go, oops, and they'll stop doing what they're doing, which is destructive, and they'll come back into the faith. Okay. So that's enough for 1 Timothy. That's a good place to stop um, uh, of chapter 1. We'll pick up chapter 2. Next time we get together, if you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for spending your valuable time with us. We appreciate you. And uh, if you're ever in Big Pine, come and see us. Uh, If you need prayer, just go to the website at keysvineyard.com. There's a place for prayer um, there. There's a form you can fill out, which will uh, hit us electronically, or you can call us, and we'd be happy to pray for you. And so um, come back soon. God bless you guys.